0: This is the Bemal Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host Brent Billings. Today we journey up to the end of the 18th century and follow the world of Protestant history as it moves out of the Reformation and through the Age of Enlightenment.
1: Yeah. Remember we got a timeline for you. Should have just one today, I think. Uh, quote-unquote presentation. Presentation. Absolutely. And remember that this um, is not meant to be. These timelines are starting to get a little busy. Got some stuff in them. Got lots of information packed into these presentations. So remember they're not meant to be perfectly to scale or the pins put in the exact right space or anything like that. But give us grace. They're meant to be a look at the bigger, larger picture. All right, let's go. As the Age of Enlightenment continues... Our secular growth curve also continues. If the theories and science proposed and proved by men like Copernicus and Galileo rocked the very foundations of our assumptions about the universe, it was only just setting the stage for what we would call today modernity or the modern era. This growth curve would continue through the contributions of men like Isaac Newton and John Locke. Famous for his laws of motion, Newton is considered the modern father of mechanics, and all of my engineering students have Newton to thank for so much of the field that they enjoy.
0: And I thank him as well.
1: Yes? Tell me more. Why? I just like things that move. (laughs) I just like
0: things. (laughs) We don't have time to get into it.
1: All right. We all appreciate Newton explaining why things move the way that they do. Uh, well, this is not the only major contribution. For instance, uh, Newton did uh, incredible work in the field of color and the light spectrum. Did you know
0: this, Brent Billings? Um, I, yes, and I also appreciate that greatly. As I mean, a photographer,
1: yeah, absolutely, and and other things. It wasn't just that. Newton was really involved. He he changed the way that we think about physics, and therefore he set the stage for technological advancement like never before. How about John Locke? By the way, I often get in my brain John Knox and John Locke mixed up. I think I think last episode I talked about the political shapings that John Knox brought to the world. And I, I even insinuated that um, a lot of the things he did shaped ideals that like the Democratic Party is. is. I don't even know if that's – I'm sure that if that's not true, <laughs> I have already received at this point A million emails correcting me about who he exactly shaped which political philosophy. That is not my realm of expertise or something that I care a whole lot about because I often get him and Locke mixed up. Locke is the one who is known as the father of liberalism. And while many in my circles here in the rural Northwest, the Northwest that I grew up in, uh, see the word liberal as something close to a swear word, and I definitely am kidding. I'm being jovial here i mean just i'm sure some people actually think that <laughs> it's true uh it would be foolhardy even if we do think that it would be foolhardy to make assumptions about Locke. in its most ba- in, his, in its most basic and earliest forms liberalism referred to a line of political philosophy that believes in liberty and equality Locke's influence for instance on the declaration of independence is unmistakable And one of the reasons that American democracy even works on its good days is because of the tension and balance held between liberalism and conservatism. One philosophy bent towards complete freedom and the other philosophy bent towards maintaining a constant ethic. Outside of our modern American context, Locke greatly impacted other major thinkers and players in the next century. Now, the secular growth curve should not convince us that there was a lack of theological, like a a lack in the theological department by any means. The Protestant Reformation was finally cooling down. The Edict of Nantes, signed in 1598, had determined Protestants were granted civil liberty and equality, meaning that they no longer had to run around as heretics under the oppression of the Holy Roman Empire. This freedom of thought had two results. Quick question. Okay. What do you mean by Holy Roman Empire? Catholic Church. Okay. Yeah. The Catholic Church in its Holy Roman late classical period form. Because Catholic Church, if we we were to do a whole session on Catholic Church history, they evolved, they changed, they grew, they morphed, they they developed just like any other uh, movement. So you're definitely kind of like looking at Catholicism through the lens of that kind of the vacuum of that portion of history as they kind of develop and evolve. So, so yeah, there's definitely like a Holy Roman empire element to, to, to this, the the Catholic world as it's evolving in the face of Protestant reformation. So, so two results from this on the positive side, this newfound freedom allowed people to think for themselves. This Protestant reformation encouraged people to think for themselves. Imagine that. Uh, They were were invited to study, to publish, to teach others their theological beliefs, theories, and systems. The negative side would be that Protestantism no longer had a central system holding it together. They no longer had a Catholic element. I don't mean Catholic in the, I mean Catholic in the capital C sense. I mean Catholic in the Catholic sense. Uh, As Europe became more and more splintered and migration went on the rise, we would see mass division and splitting of Christian thought that seemed to increase exponentially for the next 200 years. Not that such diversity is necessarily a bad thing, but it definitely has its struggles, as does anything else. So, one of those new movements, one of those new splintering movements, was led by John Wesley. While certainly not the first to do so, Wesley argued adamantly against the premises of Calvinism. Having broken away from the Anglican faith, Wesley became the father of what we know today as Methodism and the Methodist Church. Wesley preached vehemently about personal repentance, confession, and the power of our personal will to be transformed and to pursue the holiness of God. Christianity has been unbelievably impacted by his influence on Christian thought and practical applications of theology. and over the course of the next few episodes, I'm going to get relatively um, critical as we get closer and closer to our day and we start to look back on church history and reflect on some things. And so we're going to come back to this idea. I'm going to recommend this book again. But there is a book I recently read that really challenged some of just my flippant um, uh, assumptions, my just kind of loosely held Convictions, if you can even call them that, if that's not an oxymoron. But, but somebody that helped me really see um, the beauty of Wesley not through the typical lenses, but through the lenses that I already value: lenses of discipleship, lenses of community, and the text of pragmatic orthopraxy. Um, there, there's a book there: uh, Rediscovering Discipleship by Robbie Gallaty, a new friend of mine. Uh, Robbie Gallaty wrote a book, Rediscovering Discipleship, and um, and in it, uh, it's a great book about discipleship, and I'm really hard to please, by the way. We're going to talk about this by the time we're done with Session 5, Brent, but I'm really hard to please when it comes to books on discipleship. Um, and, and just a pretty pragmatic overall, a really great book on discipleship, but there was a period in that book, maybe one or two chapters, where Gallaty talked about history, uh, history of discipleship. And one of the things he really sunk in and focused on was John Wesley and his commitment to discipleship. I just really appreciated that. So before I get all critical and just move on and then get more critical in episodes to come, I thought I would recommend that book because it was good. So we'll put that in your show notes there. But in the midst of all of this, we can't forget all of the progress that is happening in a world that is quickly changing. The world is not what it used to be. The writings of John Locke, influenced another major secular voice in the 18th century, that of Voltaire. Voltaire, who was a French writer and philosopher, and was wise, he was being widely praised for his satirical attacks on the Catholic Church. And some would say just established religion in general, just the, the whole establishment, religious establishment as a whole. Uh, using his wit and cutting sense of humor, he argued for the freedom of religion And of speech, his thoughts and writings shaped tremendously the ideas that we know today as the separation of church and state. Voltaire was quick to point out, accurately, in my opinion, I might add, the danger of religion when mixed with the power of the state. The danger of what we might have, what we've been talking about, as Christendom and its negative implications. Much of this had a major impact on public. An educated opinion, and much of this opinion ended up changing the way culture—it uh, just changed culture um, in a way that radically affected history. The movement in France would ultimately lead to the French Revolution and ushered in what we now call the post-Christian era. Some people don't like that term, but it's a term that I i like to use. We, we now live in a post-Christian world. That era really started with the French Revolution. And what do, we, what do we mean by that? What do I mean when I say post-Christian era, Brent? Give me a world. Tell me what you think I mean.
0: Um, where, where the Christian culture doesn't rule everything.
1: Right. If you used to unplug the world and plug it back in, it would blink Christian as default. You know, you used to unplug the VCR.
0: <laughs> I'm dating myself here, but... Uh, you, you can the, still do that with microwaves today.
1: Yeah, microwaves. The
0: alarm clock. You unplug that and you plug it back in, and it just blinks noon, right? You, so you dated yourself again with the alarm clock. Ah, man, nuts. And I know you don't use a real alarm clock. Do you, you use your phone? I have. I have a backup if I need it. A ba- well, backup's fine. My watch does just fine. Um, but yeah,
1: we. Uh, you used to just have the world, and the world was just Christian. Like that was just the, not that there weren't there weren't unChristians, nonbelievers running around. But not that there wasn't secular thought that rampantly disagreed with it, but if you unplug culture and plug it back in, it was Christian. But we are post-French Revolution, the world shifted and tilted away from that reality. And it took different it, it took more time in different parts of the world. Some would argue it took a lot longer to, to for that reality to reach America. I go, okay, whatever. But that's where the shift and the tilt began to where if you unplug the world and plug it back in, it no longer blinked Christian. It now blinked, whatever you want to call it, secular culture, post-Christian era. The church would continue to see a decline in its influence, both politically and culturally, as well as a loss of privilege over the centuries to come, something much of the church is still in denial about to this very day, uh, especially the fundamentalist evangelical movement that I call home (laughs) and have my roots in. Uh, We are definitely in denial about this. As far as my American context, most of my, uh, uh, most of our listeners here with the podcast are typically, most, I don't know, it's changing, coming from my American context. It would behoove us to realize, did I just say it with a Hebrew accent, behoove, behoove us, that's horrible. (laughs) It would behoove us to realize that the great migration to America has been happening during this period. The cultural tenor has certainly set the stage for the Declaration of Independence and the American Revolution. With thinkers like Locke and Voltaire, the pump has been primed for the ideals that led to the European Revolution and the independence on, that will come to our shores as well, right here in America.
0: And even if you look at the names that we've talked about here, like we're moving more and more away from Rome, more and more away from the Catholic sphere of influence in Europe. Like uh, Wesley is from England, Newton is from England, uh, Voltaire is obviously French, but we're we're kind of moving in that northwest European area, and then and then we're jumping across the Atlantic to America.
1: Absolutely, yep, yeah. You can you can feel the cultural wave that's happening that we're studying when you look at history. Absolutely, without a doubt.
0: Luther was very early on, so like that German influence. Yes. Off to the east. Like, yes. that was very early on, and, and now yep. everything is shifting westward.
1: Yeah, and from a sociological perspective, I bet there's like a ton that you could look at there and how those things work together and collided and all that kind of stuff, because you're absolutely right, for sure.
0: I uh, I know so little about all of this history, so I'm just like trying to think about different ways that I can uh, shift my perspective and understand what's going on here. Yeah, that's
1: good. You're bringing up stuff. I, I know even even less about some of the stuff you're... I don't even think about these things or observe it in that way. It's fantastic observation.
0: Yeah, well, welcome to uh the ignorance is bliss podcast. There you go. Yep. <laughs> that's the subtitle of session five. That's well, that's my that's my uh contribution. I like it. I know so little I have to ask all the weird questions. And and it takes us into uh, interesting places. Absolutely. So yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm feeling more and more like as as the world like breaks apart. Uh, you know like there's more things that you have to try to wrap your mind around and i'm feeling more and more lost as we go here sure and
1: we're only following like one little which we'll talk about even more next episode we're just following one little string and the tree has been splintering more and more there's been more and more branches we're exponential and we're just following one string which is my own string because that's what i've been trained in taught in experienced in so that's just the one that i'm taking not because it's better or matters more. It's just the one I'm equipped to talk about. Yeah.
0: We're, we're working on how, like, session five is about how we got from first century Judaism to where we are today, basically.
1: Right. And that we as becoming more and more Brent and
0: Marty and Marty and... Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, yep. that's, that's what we're left with. That's, that's our experience, so that's what we have to share. Yep. So, if you have your own experiences and you would like to uh, share that with us, we would, oh, we would love segue. to know. Good segue. I like that. Uh, so you can join the Bayma Slack and contact us there. You can uh, just go to com. There's all sorts of ways to get in touch. So that'll do it for this uh, fairly short episode. Thanks for joining us on the Baymoth Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.
1: I need to figure out how to say Voltaire. Is that right, Voltaire?
0: I think so. I want to make sure I pronounce that correctly. Voltaire. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. French writer, playwright, and poet. Yep. Pseudonym of Francois-Marie Arouette.
1: Oh, have that ready. I'll definitely let you do that. You do the French
0: very well. I do not. I'm not confident at all on his last name. (laughs) Well, we're going to go with it. It's going to be great. A leading figure of the Enlightenment, he frequently came into conflict with the establishment as a result of his radical views and satirical writings. Glad we got all that recorded. Okay, Bama listeners, I let my wife, Maggie, listen to this uh, episode ahead of time, and she had a few corrections to make. So here's Maggie.
1: On behalf of Francophones Everywhere, I'd like to apologize for the French pronunciations in this episode. I'm here to bring order to the chaos. It is the Edict of Nantes, and Voltaire is Francois Marie Arouet. <laughs> Thank you, Maggie. <laughs>